0: Welcome to Startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from Startuprad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. Today, we have a little premiere here. Um, we have the first startup from Italy. Liechtenstein here. If you've never heard of this country, it's an independent country. It is nestled between Austria and Switzerland in the Alps. For everybody out there, that's inside of Europe. And they are way, they're very small. They're smaller than the island of Manhattan with a small population. They are way ahead on the blockchain. That's what we are talking about today, and I would like to welcome my guest from amazing blogs based in Liechtenstein. Hey, Nicholas, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Joe, um, thank you for having me. I'm fine, a little sick still, but thankfully no corona, so I'm good. And you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, As always, my frequent listeners already know that Um, I have been... Looking at your profile here in uh, LinkedIn, actually, we may tell the people you are the guy in the suit and neither the dog nor the old lady, right?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on from which perspective you're looking, but <laughs> I'm uh, the guy in the suit. Yes, uh, The my with my grandma and my dog. Um, I kind of like to portray myself as someone, you know, who is like a family person. So I think I kind of wanted to distance myself from the typical LinkedIn cv pictures i guess
0: <laughs> i see, see see. everybody would like to reach out to you directly of course go down here in the show notes wherever you're seeing or listening to, wherever you're watching this or listening to this podcast um there'll be a link to our blog post and of course on the blog post there is a link to your personal linkedin profile i have seen that you've been not necessarily a deb- developer in terms of software development but rather your CV shows a lot of automotive experience how did you end up with a blockchain company
1: yeah well um i think like many people that that join the blockchain space um i first had to go my way through through the traditional world of finance and business um In terms of automotive, I I was born and raised in in Karlsruhe, Germany, Um, and obviously Karlsruhe is in the state of Baden-Württemberg, and here, you know, the car industry, the automotive industry is is quite, you know, has has quite a cluster, um, especially with Stuttgart being close. So, hence, um, in my early days, I started working for Daimler. Um, I kind of went through the production processes, kind of experienced a global player firsthand there. Um, Also, because my grandpa back in the days um, used to own a car shop and a car reparation. Um, So, therefore, in the beginning, I guess I just wanted to kind of follow my family's steps. But this kind of quickly changed, though.
0: We may add for all the people out there listening in Poland, Japan, mainland China, wherever you are out there. Stuttgart is a city in the southwest of Germany. You may not know it Personally, but you know, products coming from there, like companies are headquartered there, like Bosch, Mercedes, Mercedes-Benz, a.k.a. Daimler, because the company behind it is called Daimler-Benz, as well as Porsche. So you can already see, oh yeah, there is a big um, manufacturing cluster there actually from the information i have it's the biggest machine building and automotive cluster in the whole world so kathrua i would i would count it in the stuttgart uh, bucket there within the cluster and that totally makes sense uh that you've been working in automotive let's talk a little bit about how you turn towards blockchain what 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 was your first experience? How did you um, learn about blockchain?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, like everybody in blockchain, everybody has like their wow moments um, that kind of get them into the blockchain space. For me, um, it was on the one hand, you know, going through through the traditional world of business or, or experience it firsthand and seeing just. The many inefficiencies there on the one hand, of course, um, you know, the, the costly and, and um, time-consuming processes, uh, the amount of paperwork that uh, especially companies in Germany, I would think, um, have to go through or, or, you know, handle their processes with on the one hand. But on the other hand, also in terms of looking at the world as a whole. Um, I'm someone who who is kind of also interested in, you know, social consciousness um, and financial inclusion. So so when I when I really started, um, you know, hearing about something that that can be used, you know, um, as a payment for cross-border payments peer to peer within seconds, I was like, okay, um, how is this possible? And, And I kind of started back in 2015, 2016 doing my own research because i have some some friends also from gambia for instance that that send money to their their families every month and and, and obviously have to f- see and and figure out like okay how am i going to avoid maybe pay, having to pay 10% of fees to western union and and um aspects um, and companies like this and, and therefore i kind of you know started getting interested in this new technology of blockchain in the beginning like many people probably thought, okay, hey, blockchain, Bitcoin is something that's used for payments. Um, I mean, nowadays, everybody is combining blockchain technology with Bitcoin directly. Most people think, okay, Bitcoin is blockchain, basically, um, especially early stage people in this space. Um, it was the same for me, to be honest, but um, I quickly started learning the the amount of uh, possibilities that blockchain inherits as a technology to disrupt just about any sector in, in in business in our world, and for me personally, I, I started kind of trying out uh, a couple of the pro- protocols. Um, I started investing a bit too. I mean, I guess everybody kind of made their mistakes in the ICO craze a bit, um, but I learned from it. And um, I think for me personally, the ICO craze, especially, was was a very healthy and um, meaningful period where I learned a lot um, for my future, um, because first of all, I mean, I learned to, to critically assess blockchain protocols a bit more, um, I made some important lessons, but on the other hand, I think throughout the ICO craze, especially when, when all the negative aspects came into force, um, you could really see, okay, the, 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 the established and, and trustworthy protocols and um, kind of crystallized themselves as well. On the other hand, they were they they were the protocols where you were able to see development and progress um, in the future, and then you were able to see that they actually trying to or are actually in the process of still building something. Whereas the other protocols and projects the, the scams, so to say, uh, were the ones where we suddenly didn't hear anything anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. What what was interesting for me is I'm um. I like to read about financial history. Yeah, I know I'm a real geek. Um but the the basic blueprint except for the big scams of a blockchain was um a development on Steroids you've seen in the dot-com bubble, but not only in the dot-com bubble, but also in railway mania back in the 19th century. And if you go back, like tulips and stuff like this, it seems to be a very underlying human psychology phenomenon that you actually totally overrate a new technology at the beginning. And then at one point, if there's really a basis to it, it'll turn out to be really Game changing, but it has to go through a hype cycle first. I do believe, um, but we are now now getting a little bit into your company, amazing blocks. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing and how the Liechtenstein token act plays a role in it. A little hint here: we also talked about indirectly about Liechtenstein token act. As a hint, as a blueprint, in our interview with Professor Philipp Sandner of the Frankfurt School, who is advising the German government in setting up their own blockchain law, for which, of course, the Liechtenstein Token Act is a great inspiration. And if you would like to learn more about this, go down here in the show notes. There is a link to the interview. Now, let's go to amazing blogs and you guys.
1: Yeah, um, so funny that you mentioned Philip Sandner. um, He's very convinced of the current state in Liechtenstein. Um, Liechtenstein is an inconspicuous country, obviously, and I'm sure most of your listeners have not barely heard about it. However, um, in terms of regulation, Liechtenstein is, is, you know, very forward-thinking and future-oriented. Um, the Liechtenstein Token Act, or Blockchain Act, or TVTG—I mean, it has many names—came um, into force in January of this year, 2020. And uh, it has a unique aspect because, um, I mean, security token offerings and security token laws have been kind of slowly developing. Um, in some jurisdictions, um, like for instance, even Germany, you were able to tokenize aspects or, or financial instruments such as um, debt or participation certificates. However, um, so far, it's not really possible to tokenize equity, um, which, is, which is kind of from a neutral perspective. I really do not understand why it's not the case yet. However, it obviously makes sense from the perspective that regulators first have to kind of tap into the technology and find out what it means. Um, Liechtenstein implemented the Token Act as a complete new law other than, for instance, Switzerland, which is currently looking into, um, you know, adding to existing laws in terms of uh, preparing themselves for the the blockchain space and and Web 3.0, which is approaching. Um, The Token Act um, kind of relies or relies on the token container model. Um, The token container model, you can kind of imagine, it's like a a container where any right or asset can be placed. Um, And therefore, the token acts as a physical embodiment of uh, these assets and rights. And here, um, that allows true equity and ownership tokens. On the, on the other hand, you sure can also tokenize debt and participation certificates and other other um, financial instruments. But the true unique aspects about the Lichtenstein Token Act are these two parts, debt and equity. And also what's uh, quite interesting about the Token Act is that the Token Act doesn't really, of course, the name unofficially in- is Token Act or a Blockchain Act. However, you know, the official name is Trusted Technology. Um or it relies on a trusted technology which can be blockchain but doesn't have to be blockchain. And and this is also I think a very interesting part of this law that allows kind of a, a, a you know much more broader degree of, of um you know flexibility for for companies and, and pioneers leveraging it. And here um, at Amazing Blocks, we are first mover in the space of legally compliant tokenization of legally compliant equity tokenization. Um, we were founded in August of this year officially. Um, obviously, like any startup, before we had our stealth mode, basically, um, where we kind of started developing. But um, how we founded ourselves, uh, we founded ourselves with Ethereum as initial contribution. Um, Which is one of the other core benefits that Liechtenstein token act inherits, because you do not need a bank account, so to say, in Liechtenstein. You can basically found your SPV in Liechtenstein fully remotely, um, without having to travel to Liechtenstein, without having to adhere to to lawyers or notaries in Liechtenstein per se, Um, and and also with um, you do you can use your typical bank at home for operating purposes um, of your SPV in Liechtenstein, your legal entity in Liechtenstein, and this is what we did to ourselves, um, and this, this can also be verified on, on Etherscan, this transaction, and, and subsequently after this, we also generated our first equity tokens of the amazing Blocks equity tokens, which can also be verified on Etherscan as well. Um, and um, for the listeners that you can all find this on my linkedin profile um i'm also the writer at the amazing blog so therefore there's a lot of information there but yeah i mean the Liechtenstein token act just kind of is is a perfect demonstration of a um, you know of a sure small regulator like Liechtenstein. i think Liechtenstein has a population of around 50000 but uh, this just clearly shows that these small regulators um just have the chance to to adapt far more quickly to, to the ever-changing world of technology than, than for instance, um, jurisdictions like the US or the EU, which sure um, kind of drafted Mika, um a couple of weeks ago. However, um, especially a lot of the newly drafted laws in this world are actually using Liechtenstein as a role model.
0: a small country leading the world i like that we have listeners from more than 180 countries out there just uh, just uh, between you me and a few 10,000s of listeners can you tell um a li- can you go a little bit more into detail because what i found very interesting as not living in Liechtenstein you can set up a legal entity there um how did you do that? You reach out to a law firm there. And secondly, you don't even need a bank account there. My question would be, could you also work like with an American, with a Chinese bank account, or does it have to be in the European Union?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, this is a good question. The, the, the benefit of Liechtenstein is that um, Liechtenstein has EU passporting as being a member of the European economic area. Therefore, um, as correctly stated, um, the European bank account is not an issue. China and the U.S. is a little tricky here, um, obviously, um, especially in the U.S. Um, the SEC is paying a lot of attention um, and being very careful and very hesitant. Um, I th- from, a, from a theoretical perspective, it is possible. Um, to leverage the token act from, from any jurisdiction in the world. But I would highly suggest before, um, kind of, you know, especially when you come from, from the U.S. or China, these two conglomerates um, on each side of the world, um, you kind of have to be a bit careful because, sure, um, you have you passporting with the Liechtenstein token act, Sure, it's it's a law that is applicable in any country, or, or that you know, kind of, ver- is verifiable um, or verified in any country in the world. But um, you still still have to kind of take care or, or look in your own garden, so to say, because um, especially in US, it, it can be still quite difficult. However, I see progress in US as well. Um, as INX, um, for those that have not heard about it, INX is a um, fully regulated crypto assets exchange that uh, was the first to actually receive an SEC approval, um, and um, we are also in talks with them, which um, which which are also kind of considering Liechtenstein as a very f- auspicious, uh, you know, jurisdiction for the future, especially when talking about integrating tokenized assets um, into crypto exchanges um because the benefit about Liechtenstein is as long as you have set up an SPV in Liechtenstein which kind of functions as an umbrella um you can basically tokenize anything um so so like it doesn't matter where this asset is located as long as it's it's legally binding um owned by by this SPV by this umbrella in Liechtenstein and also what is quite interesting in Liechtenstein is that you do not have to just have a traditional AG which is kind of similar to our American listeners, like an LLC. You can also have a kind of what's what's called a PCC, which kind of functions as an umbrella. And then you can have from like from a balance sheet perspective, um, several independent AGs tokenized below the umbrella of the tokenized, you know, governor, so to say, and then each AG would be an independent asset. And for instance, asset A could be also something that is located in the U.S., um, which then would also allow you to have a bank account. In the U.S., it could be also, uh, asset B could be an a- asset which is a machine. In China, for instance, which is associated with the Chinese bank account. So therefore, um, from our understanding and our perspective, um, sure you have to take care of certain, um, you know, precautionary steps if you especially talk about these two sensitive jurisdictions but um, just from a neutral perspective and a theoretical perspective it is possible Yeah.
0: Hmm, very good answer and very thorough Um, for everybody who is a little bit more interested we link down here in the show notes an article on the Liechtenstein token act in English and we also find a non-official transcript of the 172 pages of the Liechtenstein Token Act which you can find down here in the show notes as well the link will directly open a PDF. Now we have laid the grounds for um the SPV Liechtenstein Token Act. So what is Amazing Blocks doing on like this
1: base? Um Amazing Blocks is um First mover in Liechtenstein, um, and what this means is uh, we are one of the first, or probably the first company to actually leverage the token. Right? Um, we were the first company ever to to found ourselves, as mentioned, with Ethereum as initial compu- and contribution, and therefore allowing a bank as incorporation. And we are the first ever to to actually generate true equity tokens for an AG in Liechtenstein. And from our service perspective, um, to anyone that's interested, we, we on the one hand um, kind of consult our clients throughout the establishment process. Um, how do we do this? Um, we have with, with um, our close collaboration uh, with legal partners such as Nagel Attorneys at Law, which were actually involved in drafting this um, profound legal framework in Liechtenstein and, and other le- law firms. Um, and uh, being in close contact also with the Liechtenstein authorities, we kind of developed a blueprint um, and templates for the establishment process. Typically, the establishment process of a legal entity in Liechtenstein can take up to three to four months. With our blueprint, which is a detailed guide explaining each step of the way, each day specifically, um, uh, you can kind of reduce the setup time to three to four weeks. Um, And you do not have to travel to Liechtenstein at all Um, um, and another benefit here is that we we provide basically this blueprint fee of charge to our clients because this is not our our main focus in terms of our product. So therefore the clients can decide okay hey do I want to take care of each step myself especially when addressing or when we address you know early stage startups which have to save costs obviously or do I want to outsource these steps to to, for instance amazing blocks. and so basically we, we, we covered the entire life cycle in terms of establishment. And then on the other hand, on top of this, our main product consists of our software solution, which is a software as a service called um, TokenPad. Um, and, and this is like a kind of, you know, also covering the entire life cycle. So we, it's an insurance platform to generate the tokens. Um, so therefore you can mint and subsequently issue the tokens to whitelisted Ethereum addresses. Um, it's an administration platform which which covers um, aspects such as role assignment for the addresses, the whitelisting aspect, um, and then you can also have investor onboarding with KYC and AML in our platform. So basically, we call it fundraising on the go, where within a 20 to 30 minute timeframe, um, you can onboard new investors, enter their respective information needed for the and authorities, like Ethereum wallet address, uh, contact information, date of birth, and so on. And then you can, after uh, going through this process and registering the shareholder, um, you can subsequently already issue uh, first mint and then issue these um, equity tokens to the respective wallet addresses. Um, Also, what um, is a unique aspect that we have and which kind of differentiates us from, from other tokenization platforms that we have a digital share register, which is completely um, valid in terms of, um, you know, complying with the Liechtenstein authorities. Um, it's, it's integrated into our um, software and can also be, for instance, downloaded as a PDF very easily. So you can also have it in paper form if wanted or needed, which obviously is not our, our goal, because uh, we want to address the digital age, um, however, we still want to have this option because we kind of see us also as a bridge between the two worlds, the traditional finance world. Um, I do not want to say regressive here. Um, I don't want to offend anyone obviously, but, um, and, and the progressive and advanced blockchain space. Um, and also our platform, which which is, um, is in the finest, uh, like these two aspects issue and administration are live, today in november 2020 and at the end of this year um we will also have an investor suite ready which will then also cover you know the life cycle of these tokenized entities these tokenized assets from an investor perspective where investors can register in terms of kyc and aml and subsequently also manage their their tokens so to say so this is our our product um and in terms of how we offer our product to our clients, is that as mentioned, we provide this blueprint and, and um, templates for free. So usually, the establishment process is something where we just assist, um, and then we have a basically a subscription-based fee to our platform, where where they can, where our clients can then um, manage their tokenized entities throughout their entire lifecycle. And also, what's um, interesting to mention is that the um, any type of ERC twenty compatible wallets such as metamask for instance can be integrated to our platform so therefore this acts as a custody for these tokens as we do not want to kind of te- cope with the aspect of custody um, we just want to provide our clients a software which is uh, highly customizable as well um so for instance um if if you want to tokenize uh, your podcast you could have it would mean my shares of um, some startup radio podcast for instance, it will not be um, amazing blocks uh, mentioned anywhere for instance so so therefore we also have the chance of white labeling our solution and yeah um there there we we also have um our, our core product obviously consists of these two aspects, but as we are not a custodian, we also want to obviously tackle or or tackle the issue with a liquid secondary market. Um, A primary market is obviously very easily doable, but a secondary market, um, especially a liquid secondary market, is is quite a substantial issue, I would say, still, especially um, present in the uh, STO space, um, because the market cap is quite low, the amount of, uh, you know, traders as well. Um, so therefore, we are in the process of establishing a lot of collaborations and partnerships with, with custodians um, around Liechtenstein, um, but also from other places in the world, um, because we kind of want to to have this direct access to these exchanges for our clients, because um, this would also in the future especially allow our clients to integrate um, DeFi into tokenized assets, um, For those that may not know DeFi, DeFi is decentralized finance, um, one of the latest trends in the blockchain space, kind of, uh, you can kind of compare it right now to the early stages of the ICO craze, I would say, with a lot of interesting projects emerging on the one hand, but also a lot of scams emerging. But uh, DeFi uh, is very promising. Um, And here, even these tokenized assets could be in the future integrated as collateral, for instance. So for, for taking a loan without a central intermediary like a bank having to provide you this loan. um, And then you kind of, you know, use your house as collateral for this bank, but you would be able to use it as collateral in these DeFi protocols without having to kind of give the power to a centralized authority. And I think this is also a very interesting use case that that we will provide in the future because here, um, you know, For us, or for the tokenization space in general, liquidity is quite an issue on the one hand. Um, And also for the DeFi space, Um, liquidity is still an issue. And and therefore, by being able to kind of bridge these worlds, um, to uh, to speak in these terms again, um, we will be able to integrate reward assets, which is a trillion dollar market, obviously, into these protocols, which will then, in turn, allow a much more liquid market for these DeFi protocols, but also allow us to kind of create a you know, complete, complex and um, healthy secondary market in the future.
0: We may add that amazing blogs, the reason you're here, was a participant in the crypto asset conference, which is, of course, organized by our favorite Philip Um We are producing this, by the way, in media partnership. That's why you saw the logo in the beginning. Um, when you've been talking, I was taking some notes and actually what I found interesting is the secondary market that you try to provide some liquidity um, for everybody who's not familiar with the capital markets. There's some... Uh, securities out there you can trade easily you will always find a seller and a buyer for Apple but if you on the other hand have bonds that mature in 2030 from the city of Munich it may be a lot harder so they are already securities who lack liquidity but for those it makes more sense to put them on blockchain to lower the administrative burden People may not know, but when we're talking about custodian, we are not talking about a legal custodian who takes care of a child. We are talking about a legal entity, some specialized type of bank that is actually safekeeping the security, the assets of the people who deposit them there. And... Um, Finally, what I wrote down is when you talked about, like, collateralization. So basically, you can put something in a legal entity, tokenize it, and then hand out those tokens. That would be, like, the kick the next generation for what we partly know today as crowdfunding. So basically, you don't get any debt shares in terms of uh, participation in a crowdfunding campaign but you can actually get real tokens is that something you're talking about
1: yes um, that is correct because um, with tokenization in general you have the chance to kind of you know morph illiquid assets such as for instance a classic car patents real estate um, art um, just about anything and uh, just by the way at amazing blocks we, we can uh, customize our solution to all of these use cases, um, you can kind of mark all of these these assets into to highly 24-7 tradable asset classes. Um, some say, okay, you create a whole new asset class. Others say, okay, um, you kind of just enhance current structures um, from whatever um, perspective you want to consider. It still, it allows you to have a liquid market and liquid trade for any of these assets, which, which is quite substantial from my perspective, because if you look at real estate, for instance, or um, let's just, just stay with real estate for now, real estate is a very liquid market. Um, it's one of the most valuable markets out there. And it's I think even people that are not too familiar with financial markets understand the value of real estate. However, basically, when you own a house, uh, just to be completely blunt, um, when you own a house you just the money that that this house is worth is just basically fictional or it's in the air you you cannot can, you do not have direct access to this money it's not liquid it's not integrated into the market and if you tokenize real estate you, this changes because now you have um, a legal representation um, in the form of tokens for this for this house for the ownership in this house and which which can be 24/7 traded so you can decide hey do i want to um, raise some capital and, and sell some share of my house or, or as an investment firm do I want to have like a portfolio of real estate from all over the world for instance which is much more liquid um, than, than the, the current uh, in pr- pr- you know real estate portfolios out there and also from the perspective of other assets such as patents or art um, which are kind of exotic assets um, especially when talking about patents Patents is <clears throat> it's an intellectual property, of course, which which um, can sometimes pave the way for a billion dollar enterprise. But but where is the value in these patents? You know, like uh, there there you cannot monetize these patents. There there's a lot of companies out there that have very from from a theoretical or neutral perspective have very valuable patents, but they cannot really leverage them because they they made the invention but they do not know how to, to go, when, go on because they have no, money, no monetary needs in terms of actually taking advantage of their invention. Um, and also because of when looking at um, you know, registration processes all across the world, um, the patent industry is a very fragmented one. So, so basically, um, sure, the EU has a kind of standardized model in place, but, but if you register a patent in the EU, this doesn't mean that this patent is registered all across the world. And, and so therefore, just registered in you. you have costs, then you have to register all across the world, you have costs. So therefore, these are costs that the startup usually cannot, um, you know, pay. And therefore, kind of, you know, making this patent um, or morphing this patent into a liquid asset, um, you will be able to actually, um, on the one hand, from an investor perspective, trade into the brightest innovations um, in our contemporary world. Um, and, and kind of have a hedge against inflation and an alternative to traditional shares because you can now have equity in these patterns. Um, and from the perspective of a company innovating these patterns, you have the chance to actually, um, raise funds, um, without having to, to kind of, um, sell your entire company to a VC or, or having to take an enormous loan from a, from a credit institute, um, now you can kind of have a crowdfunding like you mentioned also with these patterns in form of actually um you know funding it with a monetary um influx that comes from um you know sharing equity in these patterns and also from other industries such as the art industry which is a very you know i mean i think art is one of the most important aspects of humanity in terms of it um the role it inherits in in the represent in representing what humans or ages uh, were, you know, influenced by basically and, and um, in terms of social economic aspects as well. And here the market is very, um, you know, also illiquid, um, just to use this word again on the one hand, and also um, artwork has a high value such as real estate as well. But this value is not really in, in, in our current financial system. It's not integrated. And um, if you can tokenize if or if you tokenize art, you on the one hand can skip all these intermediaries from a perspective of an artist. You do not have to go through auction houses to sell your art. You don't have to pay the fees. You don't have to kind of pay someone to to list your projects because you can do everything in yourself. You can basically raise funds for your artwork and turn it into asset class through peer to peer payments and peer to peer fundraising and peer to peer um, emission of equity. And therefore, for instance, you can you could say in the future, hey, I want to invest ten euros or or a hundred dollars into Mona Lisa, for instance, just to, to dream big. But but this is a possibility that comes across with this. And and therefore um we believe that the tokenization and especially legally compliant tokenization can here kind of be be the go-to place. And and when going back to the custody solutions that you mentioned, on the one hand um, you have these custody solutions that which are kind of similar to banks, um, like the the traditional exchanges such as Binance, KuCoin, and so on. But on the other hand, which is also something that is kind of newly emerging, are decentralized exchanges where where there's no centralized um, market maker. Um, there's a de- it's a decentralized trading platform um, with no you know. Intermediary in place kind of fulfilling these transactions, and I think this is a quite uh, an interesting, you know, um, perspective and solution in the future where we can have like a a market, a financial market that on the one hand integrates all of the assets, um, not only traditional company shares, but all assets in this world, which can also provide a lot of financial inclusion to to um you know to people that may own um, valuable resources but do not know how to leverage this, especially in um, you know lower um, developed countries in terms of people that do not have access to the current financial structure that we have um, in the Western world as of now. And on the other hand, this can provide a lot of liquidity and, and investment to kind of forgotten asset classes, for instance, like classic cars as well. Um, I mean... Classic cars have an immense intrinsic value. Sure, um, everybody loves their 1950 Ferrari, but but no one can really have access to it because um, it's in the hands of of some large volume or, or you know individuals which 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 have these cars in their um, garages and no one really can see them. But with with tokenization, for instance, just uh, to kind of finish my thought here, you could technically say, okay, you, you turn this. Classic car into an asset class with equity. You can sell this equity to shareholders, and then you subsequently, additionally, issue equity uh, coupon tokens, which will grant you, for instance, one week of driving this car. And then the then you say, okay, hey, this um, this this driving a, this car for one week um, will cost you amount X. And then after this payment is made of amount X, amount X is um split up between all the shareholders or token holders in this equity and then you can have like a dual growth model on the one hand you earn money in terms of the traditional supply and demand principle and the hedge against inflation with this asset class and on the other hand you have have kind of you're kind of generating a a traditional or a passive income with this which is kind of similar to dividends but much more reliable also in talking about machines which where where you can integrate pay-per-use systems and then issue the the amount that is earned there to the respective token holders or also what is kind of an interesting um, model is equity cashback um which i'm currently kind of um doing some research in because uh, it also gives you the chance to kind of when you make payments somewhere when you for instance buy your shoes from adidas that you will in turn um, kind of have like a micro investing that in terms of receiving small fractions of equity which is also something that is possible with tokens so I believe there's there's a lot of potential here, and um at Amazing Glocks, we really are you know on the verge of or on the cusp of this industry, and and um, and I believe looking in the future this is just we're just at the tip of the iceberg.
0: When you've been talking, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just one word answer. Uh, could you also um? as you discussed with the pattern could you also tokenize a trademark and therefore enable a small startup to leverage that and make a put a trademark um, in a container and tokenize it to enable a startup to um, register it globally
1: yeah that's possible um that is no issue at all
0: great and um, we've been talking about quite a lot. You talked about classic cars. What I had in mind is we did an interview back in 2018. It was published on the 24th of May, 2018. You can, of course, find it down here in the show notes. Uh What you talked about, classic cars, Rally Road is already doing it in the US with cars as a normal equity entity. I think we're now recording more than 40 minutes. I do believe we would still have a lot to talk, but everybody who'd like to learn more can go down here in the show notes, can reach out to you directly in LinkedIn. There you'll also find the um, amazing blogs website as well as articles and the PDF of the Liechtenstein Token Act and of course, the link to the Crypto Asset Conference, which already took place at time of this recording, but there will be another one coming up fall 2021. Only thing left for me to say is thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you here. And I do believe there was a lot of very interesting content here.
1: Thank you, Joe. Um, also from my side, um, it's great to be here and um Thank you for this opportunity you provided us. Um, I love what you're doing with your podcast, you know, kind of providing a platform to, to these young startups and, and enabling them to, to kind of speak to the world. Um, so, again, thank you very much. And um, anyone that's interested in finding out more, feel free to reach out to me. Thank you.
0: That's all, folks. Find more news, streams. StartupRad.io. Remember, Sherry is Carrie.